0: at gracekettering.org. Thanks again for joining us and enjoy the episode. I'm excited to be here this evening with you again. And uh, I'm gonna tell you that I am the youngest of four children. So my siblings say I got away with almost everything. So if you're the youngest, you can relate to me. My wife is the oldest of six. I'm the youngest of four. So when I was looking for a wife, she needed somebody to take care of as an oldest. And being the youngest, I needed somebody to take care of me. So we were, you know, a match made in heaven, right? So uh, the Lord has blessed me. In fact, when I was praying for a wife, I actually prayed for someone who was either a schoolteacher or a nurse, which she is actually a, a nurse. She works in uh, corporate wellness now. But I also prayed very specifically that I needed to have a wife that could play the piano since I was interested in going into ministry. And the Lord has blessed me abundantly in that area. And I'm thankful that uh, she is able to do that. She ministers uh, at all the churches we've served at. She ministers at our current church as well, playing the piano. And uh, the Lord has blessed her with that. She did not study music in college. She actually studied nursing. So she had a very good teacher in, uh, for piano lessons, as well as a very good music director at her church who really invested in her, people invested in her, and gave her a lot of instruction and ability, and even since college has had some who have invested in her to help her develop that. And I want to encourage you that the reality is, is that we have opportunities to invest in others, even when they don't necessarily go and, and maybe get formal training, as it were, in College or in a degree like that, that doesn't mean that God can't give you abilities and you can't help others to learn those things and be able to utilize them in their local church and serving the Lord. So encourage in that way to invest in the younger generation as much as you can because that's how the Lord uses the local church to do that. In fact, these skittles. I'm sorry to the parent of the child who said no. But that was a perfect illustration for tonight, and I was expecting that there would probably be one child who said no when I asked for uh, some of their Skittles back. So it was actually a perfect illustration in there. So, um, you know, sometimes we're like that with God, aren't we? And uh, who can remember the two illustrations from this morning before I jump right into the preaching this evening? Who can say what was step number one is to spend less than we earn, and the second is to avoid the use of debt. Okay, So those are the first two principles that we looked at this morning when it comes to honoring God with our finances. And one of the hardest things is to spend less than you earn in a society in which we live today. Let me pause and have a word of prayer. and We're going to jump into the next three uh, tonight. Okay, Dear Lord, thank you so much for just the opportunity we have to come together to look into your word, to apply these things to our life. Lord, give us wisdom. Lord, you promise you, you not. Lord, give us wisdom from you that we might rightly apply these truths to our life. Lord, we love you and pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, according to the Organization for Economic Cooperation and Development, yes, that is a government organization, the United States has one of the lowest saving rates in the developed world. Are you surprised by that? So the reality is in 2021, that's the most recent statistic I could find, The U.S. saved 2.1% of the gross domestic product. That's what they added to savings. They measure it based on GDP of the country and how much was added to savings that year. And the U.S. was at 2.1%. By contrast, many other developed countries have a rate of 10% or even higher. The highest I found was Norway at 21% of their GDP was added to savings every year. Now, the fact that most people in America save almost nothing is a testimony to the spirit of our nation and how we view money. The person who spends everything that they make, and usually more, quite frankly, is not living according to biblical wisdom. While hoarding all the money is not God's plan for us either, neither is using up every penny that we get. In addition to tithing and giving offerings, and providing the needs for our family, we really should be saving some of the money to provide for needs and things that come up in the future. Unexpected things. It is presumptuous for us to assume that the car will never break down. Have you ever owned a car that never, ever, ever broke down? And the answer to that is no. If it hasn't yet, it will, right? You know that something is going to need to be fixed on it. Or what about the washing machine that never needs to be replaced? Well, my wife can tell you a story about that. We bought a used Samsung wash and dryer when we bought our house in Colorado. And the third time I tore that dryer apart to replace a part on it, we decided I was done with it. I was like, but I rebuilt the whole thing. I put a new heating element in it, new belt, new pulley. Now I put a new motor in it. There's not really anything else to change, but she said, I'm tired of it breaking down. And we went and bought a new one. Hasn't broken down yet, but you know that it will in time, right? And we have to plan for that. You know, we have to plan for these things that are going to happen and things that are there that will, in fact, be, need our attention, we will need our resources, we will need our money. We should do what we can to make provisions for those events. At the same time, as we make plans and preparations for our future, we should remember that our preparation is, is not our true source of, Of security. The amount of money that you have in the bank is not your true source of security. James remind us, ye know not what shall be the morrow, for what is your life? It is a vapor that appeareth for a little time and then vanisheth away. Rather than trusting in our strength and our resources, we are to rely on God as our provider, and only then are we ready to face the future. So I want to begin to make the groundwork here as we talk about the finances. We have to understand that we are not sitting here and saying that if we follow these principles, we're going to have peace because we have the finances and the money to deal with problems because we don't know the future and our security can only come from God. Our our peace can only come from God. In fact, God can give us peace that passeth all understanding to the point that no matter what is going on in our life, we can still have peace. So even when the car breaks down, we can still have peace. Even when things go wrong, we can still have peace. Let me share with you a brief story before we jump into the points. I'm going to cover the points fairly quickly tonight in just a minute, but I want to, I want to help you to understand a principle before we get into these points tonight that is very important. Sometimes there are things that come in our life and they're there for some reasons, Okay. So, for example, you get a flat tire on the way to somewhere and you're just upset and frustrated with that. But maybe there's a reason that we don't know and understand that God does. Maybe there was an accident ahead if we had not had the flat tire. When we go to get the flat tire fixed, maybe God wanted us to witness to the guy fixing the flat tire because he needed to hear about Jesus. There's reasons for many things and why they happen. Let me share with you, something that as a pastor that I shared with a lady that was at our church uh, in Granger, Indiana, actually. There was a lady there who was, came down with breast cancer. And I, I, she was in tears, and I was praying with her, and I said, you know, you're going to go through cancer treatments, and maybe God is going to use this because you're going to have interaction with people that you would not have had if you didn't have this, And God wants you to share the gospel with them. And I prayed with her and I thought nothing more of it. And I thought, well, it's just a challenge to her to be looking for God's purpose in things, right? Well, she started to go through her cancer treatment and, you know, she would go in and she would have infusions. She had to sit there for a couple of hours in a room. And a few weeks later, she comes in on Sunday and she goes, Pastor, I got to talk and share Christ with a lady this this week. I'm like, well, tell me the story. She goes, well, she and I were both in the same room for about two and a half hours. So she had nowhere to go. She was hooked up to an IV like I was, and I just started out talking to her, and, and I talked to her about Jesus for two hours. She said she didn't get saved, but you know what? I told her about Jesus. She went in a couple of weeks later for another one, and another infusion, and she said, uh, it came the next Sunday, and I'm like, oh, here comes Joyce. She had this big smile on her face, and I just said, Who'd you get to share with about Jesus? She goes, I talked to two nurses this week. I said, Okay. She goes, I'm just looking now. Can't wait till the next time I go for an infusion. I'm like, She's going through cancer treatment. She's getting these infusions, and she's excited about it. What did I do here? You know, I'm like, She had this hope and she had this peace that even in that circumstance, she was excited to be able to share with Jesus with these people who she wouldn't have otherwise known. Would have never met them. And as we think about the idea of, of things that we're going through and we understand that we're trying to spend less than we earn, we understand the idea of avoiding debt. Sometimes we have to do things that are a little more difficult to avoid the debt. And we begin to get to our first point tonight, which is our third thing, which is build margins, is the terminology there that I'm going to use, but it's, it's actually saving money, okay? We're going to think about in the concept of what is the big picture when it comes to saving money. Well, I wouldn't get to meet the loan officer if I didn't get a loan, right? You know, like we contradict what we said about avoiding the use of debt, right? Hold on now, that's not the principle here. We're talking about how are we going to honor God through all of these things. This is the idea of being able to have a buffer when the unexpected happens. It's the idea of having some discipline in your life. And let me share this with you. This is a personal testimony. When I've had times in my life where I was undisciplined with my finances and I didn't tithe, seemed like I never had enough money. I would venture to tell you tonight that these principles set forth before you, particularly tithing, is more or as much about us learning to have these disciplines in our life than anything else, because when we are able to discipline area finances, we're able to discipline in areas, and you name it, every area of your life, we're able to follow the way that God has set forth before us to do things. We become disciplined in a broader, across all the areas of our life, it becomes a habit of our life. It becomes a lifestyle of being disciplined in the areas of our lives. Finances is one of them. But when you begin to apply these principles of finances and others, of what God has set forth for us and we become disciplined in that, we begin to see some different things happen in our life. You know what the number one thing is that happens is we begin to learn contentment. We talked about that this morning. We begin to learn contentment in our life because we understand these principles that God maybe gave me 10 Skittles, but Pastor Josiah got 20. I'm upset about that. No, I'm content with that, right? That's okay. And God says give out of my increase, maybe he's able to give two, I'm able to give one, but I'm living in obedience to those principles and I begin to learn contentment through that and I begin to learn to rejoice with him being able to give too. And as I begin to get these in my mind, I begin to see these things happen in my life you know, we discussed the idea of the 10, 10, 80 idea of a budget. 10% tie, 10% savings, 80% for the rest of my life. Maybe you can save more. Maybe you can give more. But the idea is you start with that at the beginning and you can get to a different point. I'm going to tell you of a, a professor I had in seminary. He was a missionary in Germany. And he started with the idea of the 10, 10, 80 principle. And he said, You know what? I'm going to see what God will do when I give 20, 10, What's that leave me with? 70. So he did that for a year. He said, well, that didn't seem too bad. I'm going to go to the next year. I'm going to do 30, 10. And what's that leave me with? 60. And he's on the mission field living on a missionary's income. So okay, we made it through. We, we didn't uh, live lavishly, but we did fine. He said, I'm going to try 40, 10, 50. He said, that year was kind of tough. But we made it through. We didn't have anything. We didn't didn't pay. We did perfectly fine. And he said, you know what? I said, I'm going to try one more. He went 60, 10, 30. He said, you know what I saw happen in those last couple of years? He said, I saw God provide for me in ways that I never imagined he would. He said, and I gave that money to God. Now, I'm not saying that's necessarily your path, okay? Remember, I've said everybody's got a different path. That was his path. And he went down that path, and he said, it was amazing what I saw God do when I didn't just do 10, 10, 80, but I went those other extra steps. I mean, he saw things just randomly show up for him when he didn't actually, his 30% wasn't going far enough, and God provided for him in an incredible way. And I'm telling you that as we look at this, we understand that that God does bless us when we obey him. And he went ahead and went out further on faith and he saw God provide for him. But my challenge is to you is, are you starting with the 10-10-80? That's the starting point. But I'm going to tell you, when we talk about margins and savings, so that's the second 10%, you read a book, we have margins around it, right? Why is there a margin around the text? Because when they slice the book, if there were no margin, they might cut some of the words off. So we have a margin around the book to have a little buffer space. If any of you have ever worked in like uh, putting together John and Romans or these Bibles, we have a I know your dad's church has one. We have cutters at our church that does a three-sided, and we have some people that come every Saturday and bind Bibles, all kinds of languages. It's kind of kind of fun and neat to see them doing that. But the reality is, is that those pages are oversized. There's extra space there, because when they go to cut it, they want to leave a little bit of margin so they don't, don't end up cutting off some of the words. And you think about that in your life, the idea is having a little bit of margin, a little bit of wiggle room, as it were, a little extra space because of the idea that you want to have some extra space where you're not, as we say, living on the edge. You know, you're right on the edge, and actually the idea of saving for a rainy day, we use expressions like that, that actually comes from a 16th century play, and over time it evolved into emphasizing the concept of setting aside resources for your unforeseen challenges. Like the third time I had to repair my dryer, right? (laughs) Uh, You know, if you've ever taken apart an electric dryer, you understand it's kind of annoying, it's not terribly hard. But when you have to do it the third time in about six months, it's super annoying, right? You hate to keep doing it over and over again. Now the question is, are, would you survive if today your car broke down and you had a $1,000 repair? What would that do to you? What if the sewer line needed to be replaced and you had to spend seven, eight, dollars $10,000? Can you do that? What if you lost your job? Do you have some money saved up? that could help you to get through the time until you were able to find another job. Let me emphasize this verse for you again tonight. Proverbs 21, verse 20 says this, There is treasure to be desired, and oil in the dwelling of the wise. And notice this, but the foolish man spendeth it up. You see, the idea that we keep coming back to is the idea that we need to have Putting some money aside for savings is a biblical principle here. 10% for savings is a good place to start. But you may need to save more than 10% depending on your circumstances. But I'm going to tell you this. If you are at a point in your life where you're at 10%, 1%, and what does that leave you? Instead of 80%, 89%. And you do that now, that's a great place to start today. And then if next year you're at 10%, 2%, 10%, and you work your way into it, that's okay. Remember, you're writing your path and your story, and you're trying to get there. Just like we gave the illustration already, the reality is, is that you have to work to make your life and your habits change into these. You can't necessarily do it today. Hey, I, I didn't come out of the womb knowing these things and doing them right. Listen, I've made my share of mistakes along the way, And that you have to fight to do it. In fact, when we think of this principle, think of Proverbs 6, verse 6 through 8. It says, go to the ant, thou sluggard; consider her ways and be wise, which have no guide, overseer or ruler, provideth her meat in summer and what gathereth her food in the harvest. When the money comes in, you set some aside for the time when it's not. And this biblical principle of having some savings is there, but it's counter-cultural. So much of our culture does not live for this, does not live by this. Remember, the savings means that it builds up over time. Some of us like to take it out of our savings as fast as we put it in. You know what I'm talking about, right? I can remember someone telling me that they could not figure out why their teenage child who had a savings account, why their savings balance was not increasing. After all, they asked their child every time they got paid, did you put money in savings? They said yes. They put money in savings, but they also took it out. (laughs) Is that really savings? No. You got to put it in there and you have to leave it. You see, winter, think about this verse as you see it here. Provideth her meat in the summer and gathereth her food in the harvest. Why? Winter is coming. Winter is coming. And the biblical principle here is that we need to be adding to savings. The next one, uh, the next blank here, the next point is set long-term goals. You know, so often we don't have a long-term perspective. Hebrews 11, I'm just going to read you a few verses out of this. Thinking of long term goals. Now, faith is the substance of things hoped for, and the evidence of things not seen. For by it the elders obtained a good report, but without faith it is impossible to please him. For he that cometh to God must believe that he is, and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. These all died in faith, verse 13, not having received the promise but having seen them afar off, so they had not yet seen the Messiah who he's referring to here, but they saw it afar off and they were persuaded of them. They embraced them, but now they desire a better country that is and heavenly. Wherefore, listen to this phrase, God is not ashamed to be called their God for he hath prepared for them a city. Wouldn't that be an incredible epitaph to put on my gravestone to say God was not afraid to be called my God. I'm going to tell you, though, the longest term perspective and goal that you can have is heaven. Are you using all of your resources for the idea of advancing God's kingdom of heaven? That's our longest term goal and we wanna put that in perspective when we think of long term -term goals. So when we think about setting these long term goals, we wanna understand the idea that we're talking about heaven as being our best long term goal and then we're gonna work our way back from that. So if your faith in Jesus, though, never redefines how you view money, we need to question ourselves whether we really have faith because listen, Jesus, faith in Jesus, it redefines everything. It redefines everything, including your finances. But again, we're in a process of getting there, right? It takes time. Maybe you're, you're still at the 10, 189, right? And you've got to get to that point, the 10, 10, 80, and now we're going on to take it to long-term goals. Now, Luke 6:38, we see Jesus. Said this, Given it shall be given unto you, good measure pressed down and shaken together and running over shall men give into their bosom, for with the same measure that ye met withal it shall be measured to you again. It's the idea that here's a picture that's being painted, and in the Old Testament the people were told to leave the edges of the field for the poor to come and collect the grain. And there's some biblical principles here of the poor that lived maybe a ways away. They could come and they could gather that grain and, and as a result, they would need to, to take a lot of it and carry it with them to where they lived because they would come and gather it and they would take the wheat, they would sift it and they would try to get it all packed down in. Now, this is not a get-rich-quick scheme. okay? This isn't this idea where, hey, if you give God... A dollar, he'll give you a hundred, right? Because it doesn't say he's going to give you exactly money back like that. No, what is the, what is, remember, our long term goal, our long term perspective is heaven. Some of the things we do, our investment is in heaven, not a return that we get here, but, but the glory of God in here and there. And that's a long term perspective. The long term perspective is, is, is heaven. And the longer term your perspective is, it affects your present-day decisions overwhelmingly. If your long-term perspective is next week, how do your present-day decisions look like? If your long-term perspective is only now till next month, how does that affect your present-day decisions? If it's next year, what if it's to retirement? You know, the hardest thing to do is get an 18-year-old to open an IRA and start putting money into savings. Why? They don't have that retirement long-term perspective, do they? And some of us don't start putting money in retirement until we're, oh, I'm 10 years from retirement. I better start putting money away, right? So the idea is a longer-term perspective, starting with heaven, Okay, working our way backwards. The longer-term perspective we have, the better off we will be. Now let me give you some examples of some goals. Uh, some good goals for you, it might be intermediary, is, is eliminating any credit card debt if you have it. You know, there was one point in time in my life where I took and I rolled credit cards from zero percent interest to zero percent interest. I tried to play that game and it came back and it bit me. That was tough. Because C- they've charged me all that back interest for like six months at like 24%. You know, playing those games, it didn't get me to where I wanted to be, you know. So what about consumer debt, unsecured debt, right? Uh, no car debt. These are some good long-term goals. Maybe having money for your kids in college. There, there's a lot of things in there. Remember, I was on the pay-as-you-go program for college, right? That's what I, that was my path. Not sure what your path is, but that debt that's particularly, as we're talking about here, if nothing is collateral, Right? So if God said, hey, I want you to go here as a mission field or as a pastor, would would these sort of things keep you from being able to do what God wants you to do? Set those long-term goals and the short-term goals and set them so that you don't have things that are keeping you from doing from what God would have you to do. Have some savings. Three to six months of your expenses is a good way to start. Longer if you can. And what about retirement plans? I've already mentioned that. You need to start putting some money into retirement plans. And the best friend that you could have is time. The sooner you start putting money in, the better you'll be when you get to retirement. The sooner you start, $10 a week at the age of 19, and if you put only $10 a week in, it's phenomenal what you would have if you started at 18 and only put $10 a week in by the time you were, I don't know, you got young guys who have to wait till you're 72 to retire, I think, by now. But by the time you're retirement age, right, It just grows over time. Now, hopefully you can do more than 10, especially as inflation goes up. And let me tell you, Benjamin Franklin said this, if you fail to plan, you're what? Planning to fail. You've got to make a plan for these things. Set your long-term goals. What are your long-term goals? Is your long-term goal to, you have dreamed about going on a mission field to visit a missionary like Pastor just did. I would love to go visit a missionary in fill in the country. Do you have a goal for that? If you start putting $20 a week away, it's amazing. In a couple of years, you have plenty of money to go visit a missionary. Set those goals, make a plan, spell it out, and the Lord will provide it in his time. And maybe you get some in there and somebody says, hey, I heard you're saving to go to this trip. Let me pay for the rest of it. You know, that's how God gets the glory so often in some of these things too. But you got to have these goals. So spend less than you earn. Avoid the use of debt. Build margin. Set long-term goals. And the last one is give generously. Give generously. When we set long-term goals, we have to continually think about the idea of having heaven in perspective. And part of that is not just tithing, but giving generously. You know that giving... It actually produces joy. Giving produces joy. Do you remember I shared with you the story this morning, for those that are here this morning, about that blue recliner? I, you know how much joy that gave me? He'd been praying. He prayed, Lord, I just miss that blue recliner as he's going through cancer, cancer treatments. And I show up with it. You know, I'm, that was, what, almost 20 years ago now, right? And I'm still giving God the glory for this and it had brought so much joy and that wasn't even out of my, my pocketbook, right? And think about the idea that you see somebody that has a need and you now have put all of these things in order and God gives you the ability with the resources he's given you to be able to meet that need of somebody in need. Do you know oftentimes that is also how the gospel is shared and God's kingdom is advanced. Sometimes through meeting a need, it opens a door for us to be able to give generously to somebody that then makes them receptive to the gospel because we've met their physical needs. When you think back about the idea, Jesus saw all these people that he was preaching to and he at times met their physical needs. He fed them. He healed people because he had, of course, being God had the ability. We don't have that today. Uh, But the reality is, is when you think about this, what has God given us? And giving generously is important. But before we get to giving generously, I want to point out Malachi 3, 6 through 10. Just because I'm going to come back to this, linking giving generously back to the idea of tithing It says, For I am the Lord, I change not. Therefore, ye sons of Jacob are not consumed, even from the days of your fathers. Ye are gone away from mine ordinances and have not kept them. Return unto me, and I will return unto you, saith the Lord of hosts. But ye said, Where shall we return? And he said, Will a man rob God? Ye have robbed me. But ye say, Wherein have we robbed thee? And the answer is what? In tithes and offerings. Ye are cursed with a curse, for ye have robbed me, even the whole na- this whole nation. Bring ye all the ties to the storehouse, that there may be meat in mine house. And prove me now herewith, saith the Lord of hosts, if I will not open you the window of heaven and pour out, pour you out a blessing, that there shall be no room enough to receive it. You see, right there, God talks about. Do you realize? saying, I will give you, a, does he say he's going to give you exactly money? No, no. I mean, these are, these are concepts here we're looking at that God's going to bless you such that you can't even begin to understand receiving it. You know, the reality is, what is that blessing? What is it going to be? I'm not really sure, but I can tell you the times that I've given generously has brought joy and has brought, brought, brought great blessing to my life. But it's because I've gone down these principles and been able to do it. There's three reasons that we give. First of all, God owns it all, just kind of reiterating. God is first. And guess what? Because God has given me money, I can afford it. So God owns it all. I just ran through them. I'm going to explain them just real briefly, okay? Uh, so leave those up there for a minute. The belief that God owns everything shapes our view of our finances and of our giving. God says, can I just have a tenth of it? But you know what? What does it say in Job one twenty one? Who gives can take away. God could ask for all 10 or 20 or all 40 like he did with Job. The reality is when we begin to view that properly, he owns it all. I'm just a steward of it. It completely changes our illustration. Listen to this. uh, Now, this is where the Skittles came in, okay? So I was glad to do that with the children tonight. The list of the largest companies in the world changes every year. Over time, new competitors arise. Old enterprises fade into irrelevance. One of the most powerful radio stations in the country is located in Chicago, Illinois. It can be heard in five states during the daytime. It transmits at 50,000 watts... And can sometimes be heard, depending on the atmospheric conditions, in 40 states. The station was started by a company by the name of Sears. And in 1924 is when they started it. Now, why did they start it? It was a way for them to reach potential customers for their large retail business. This actually stood as one of the world's largest stores at one time. But where is the store today? Sears is gone. If we think we can get security by amassing material possessions, we are sadly mistaken. The things of this world, at best, are temporary. And even someone who has the great deal of wealth can lose it suddenly. Solomon said, Wilt thou set thine eyes upon that which is not? For riches certainly make themselves wings. They fly away as an eagle toward heaven. Listen, God owns it all. It's not ours. Second of all, God is first. Honor the Lord with thy substance and with thy firstfruits of thine increase. The first fruits. That's why it's not an 80-10-10 budget, is it? It's a 10-80-80. Now, I can afford it. Guess what? No matter how much God gives you, if you follow his principles, you can afford to tithe. Let me explain this to you before we come to our conclusion tonight. When God is first, saving is second, lifestyle is third. When money gets tight, which one of those gets cut out? The third one, which is your lifestyle, isn't it? But when you have, let's call savings second, so we have lifestyle first, saving second, and God is third. When money gets tight, where does the pressure end up? ends up on God, on tithing, right? All the pressure is shifted, so you have to have that priority of the 10-10-80, not the 80-10-10, because what happens is the pressure gets put on whatever is last. You want to know whether or not, what what your priorities are, what order you have in your budget? Take a look and see. Are you tithing no matter what? Are you living by the 10-10-80, or are you living at 80-10-10? What is the first priority in your finances? What is first priority? Because when you have a long-term perspective and you're thinking about giving generously, 1st you're going to be willing to make sacrifices in your own life to be able to give generously as well as tithe. Where are you putting the pressure in your lifestyle? Are you putting the pressure on your tithe to God? Or are you putting the pressure on your own lifestyle? As we wrap it up, i want to remind you that there's, there's these categories that we look at of our journey. You have the struggle. Man, I just can't even make ends meet. The next step up is we have the survival, the idea of living paycheck to paycheck. Our third level is stable. I'm able to, to manage everything, maybe put a little bit in savings. Our fourth level is security. I'm, I'm able to now to start deal with some long-term goals. And our final fifth stage is surplus. I have more than enough, and I'm able to give generously as I see the Lord lead. And you may be anywhere in these stages. That's okay. Where you're at now, the challenge for you is to turn and start moving in the right direction. It's not about how much you have. It's about what you do with what God has given you. The real question in my heart and challenge for you is have you learned contentment? If you haven't learned contentment, you're going to turn that 10-10-80 upside down. When you learn contentment, it's easy to have the 10-10-80 right side up. Philippians 4.11 says, Not that I speak in respect of want, for I have learned in whatsoever state I am therewith to be content. Are you content with making your coffee at home instead of buying at Starbucks on the way if that's where your finances are? Okay, now I'm meddling, sorry. I did the Crocs, the Taco Bell Crocs this morning. (laughs) Meddling with your Starbucks tonight. Hey, I didn't say there's anything wrong with buying Starbucks, did I? I said, but are you content if God hasn't given you the resources for Starbucks to make your coffee at home? You see, we begin to make those decisions when we put these in the right order. If you want to honor God regardless, Jesus says that we can't love God and what? Money at the same time. We have to make a choice and deliberate, deliberately and have these predetermined decisions made in our life. Matthew 6, 24, no man can serve two masters, right? So listen, here's how it goes. You can love God and have money, but you can't love money and have God. I didn't say you can't have money. I said you can't love money. Maybe you have the 40 Skittles. I don't know your financial situation. Maybe you have the 10 Skittles. But if you love Skittles more than you love God, that's the problem. What do you need to change in your life? What do you need to change in your finances to honor God tonight? Do you have something that's keeping you from having the right Order the right perspective in your finances. Examine yourself and see, do I always have the right priority or am I upside down? Or am I right side up on these things? What, where are you at in this journey? It's my challenge to you tonight. Self-examination, understand where you're at and begin to move and make those changes in your life. That you might be able to be someone who gives generously to God not just focus on our consumerism of today's world. Let's pray. Dear Lord, thank you so much for the opportunity we have to look into your word. Lord, I pray that you would help us to be able to save so that we can give to you an abundance of the abundance that you've given to us. Lord, help us to set our right perspectives, to be able to have the right thing first. Lord, help us to glorify and honor you. And help us to be those that are are giving testimony and glory to you because you've given us a surplus that we give back to you. Lord, help us most importantly in all of this to give you the glory and take none of it for ourselves. Lord, we love you and we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to this podcast. To learn more about Grace Baptist or how to have eternal life, visit gracekettering.org. And remember, you are always welcome at Grace Baptist Church.